0: and welcome back to the Lawcast. this time we're going back to cover the yappa pie indian strap match it's yappa 2000
1: yeah
0: <laughs> how confusing is it that there's another uncensored with a ridiculous and terrible hogan flair main event this isn't even the only uncensored with a hogan strap match <laughs> yeah that's right i forgot hogan and vader had the white castle of fear strap match in 95
1: this pay-per-view for Hulk six iterations is literally just put hulk hogan in the main event figure out some dumb shit for him to do but they may hulk have outdone themselves with this one hulk
0: did main event every uncensored that's right
1: that's right Like he made events at all of them. It was the worst show in WCW by far. Yes. He made events at all of them, whether he had the belt or not. And every single one was this wild ass stipulation match that should never have happened. So we'll have all that. But first, we've got some current wrestling stories to talk.
0: And of course, we're going to lead off as we have been lately with the AEW Continental Classic. Um in the gold block, um, Roosh defeated Jay Lethal. Jay White defeated Mark Briscoe, and John Moxley defeated Swerve Strickland. It's interesting how much the blue block feels like the chalk, or the gold block feels like the chalk block, and the gold block is wild in comparison. You're absolutely right. Like it's very difficult to call that one. Um, so what this leaves us Moxley has the lead with 12 points. Everybody's got one match left. Um, Swerve and Jay are tied in second place with nine points each Swerve beat Jay. So he has the tiebreaker. Essentially that's a half point lead.
1: Um, so Jay needs Swerve to lose. If Swerve wins in any way, he's going through to the semis. Well,
0: Here's the thing. They haven't really explained what would happen if it's a three-way tie on top, which we could get. Um, yeah, if Mox, Mox loses
1: and they both win,
0: is yeah, like so. Yeah, if Swerve beats Rouge and Jay beats Mox, they all have twelve points and it's a three-way tie. And I think the only way you could break that would be to do a triple threat match in the block semifinal instead of a
1: one-on-one match. Now, that sounds like a really interesting idea. I don't know if i do that as part of the first Not one of these time. Continental Classics. Yeah, because yeah. you really want to like, get the structure over, right? So, yeah. like, I, w- If it's me, I would probably have Jay and Swerve tie, but Swerve's got the tiebreaker the because then Jay can be really pissed off about it.
0: Yeah, that, that would be a fun Jay White meltdown. <laughs> My thought is maybe Swerve loses to Rouge, and then Jay and Mox Go to the time limit, and Jay edges out Swerve by one point, and then we now do Jay, Jay, and then we do Jay and Mox again in the semifinals after they've drawn.
1: I do like that. Yeah, I think that would like, be pretty solid. Whatever combination of those three men we get yeah. in the semis, it's the right combination. Like they they made the right choice there. Can't really go wrong. Yeah. In the blue block.
0: Andrade beat Brody King on Dynamite, but he lost to Claudio Castagnoli on Collision. Eddie Kingston beat Daniel Garcia, and Brian Danielson beat Brody King. Tough week for Brody. He's gone from, you know, the leader to pretty much out of it at this point.
1: Also, that Andrade match was the first singles loss he's ever taken in AEW. Really? Yes. I
0: thought he got a title shot against Moxley.
1: I don't think that he did. Maybe it was a DQ he did. or something. He won,
0: the, he won the Royal Rampage.
1: Yeah. But, like, they made a big deal of it. this. Is like made, I'm sure he didn't get pinned by Moxley in that game.
0: No, Moxley beat, Moxley beat him with the uh, Bulldog choke.
1: Okay. So, yeah, yeah, that was the first time anybody had actually pinned Brody King. Wow.
0: That's kind of wild. Yeah. Uh, we have Andrade and Danielson tied for the lead at nine points each. Andrade owns the tie, tiebreaker with Danielson. So, functionally... Andrade's in the lead. And then we have a pile up where Claudio, Eddie, and Brody all have six points. Our remaining matches are Danielson versus Claudio, Andrade versus Eddie, and King versus Garcia. A lot of possibilities here.
1: Now, the, the most obvious thing is to have Eddie and Brian come out of this.
0: That's kind of what I'm expecting. It, man, it would be heartbreaking if Eddie didn't make
1: it. If Andrade... be it, Even more heartbreaking. If Eddie loses because of points, not even because he lost yeah. the match. Like he, he could win this match and still not make it. And that's yeah. wild. I mean, Danielson needs a win
0: or a draw against Claudio because he would lose the tiebreaker to both Andrade and Claudio. If he loses to Claudio, I do right. think he will win that match. That's going to be an uh, amazing match. I don't know. Those guys, I, I guess those guys wrestled like 10 years ago in WWE, but I am very but much. It didn't mean
1: anything. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> um, Andrade advances with a win. Eddie advances with a win over Andrade. Brody King is pretty much frozen out because he lost to Danielson and Andrade. So he's going to have trouble with tiebreakers. And Claudio is going to struggle to advance even with a win over Danielson because he has losses to Brody and to Kingston. I'm thinking it's Eddie versus Danielson, but they could absolutely do Danielson versus Andrade too. Like that was, you know, maybe the hottest most memorable match of this tournament so far.
1: That would be fascinating because like, You could still do that where, like, Eddie just comes up short against Andrade. And actually, you can have them go to a time limit. That
0: time limit would eliminate Eddie, which would be so heelish of Andrade. If, like, with
1: nine seconds left in the match, he just rolls to the floor and laughs at Eddie. And then, because, okay, now I'm praying that that's what happens. Because that makes so much sense. And then he can come out to interfere in Andrade Danielson but murder Danielson. And have it be like, this is your tournament, motherfucker. You're the one who stole everything from me. Remember, there's no interference allowed. Although I don't know how they enforce
0: that. I'd suspend Eddie. Would be the option, I guess.
1: And I think that's a great idea. Like, yeah, that gives, <laughs> that's gives perfect. Time. And then Danielson's out, which explains his time off to go to Japan. Look, this all just lines up, baby. I want to see Eddie versus Danielson before Danielson dies.
0: <laughs> that was the, had, that match they had. In this turn was incredible. incredible. I'd love to see, love to see that again. I'd love to see. Dan, I mean, they'll have to, get, they got to get back to Danielson versus Andrade based on what happened in that match.
1: So yeah, so this would be an opportunity to do that match again, yeah. and turn Eddie, and give Danielson his next big feud. Like it just, it lines up so good. It doesn't make sense for it not to happen. But I'm there are other opportunities. I haven't been disappointed by a single thing so far. Oh. So I'm pretty sure whatever they do, I'm going to be down with.
0: We haven't even touched on so like Some of the guys, Like I'm really into uh, Mark Briscoe versus Jay Lethal, where both of them are just trying to get
1: a win and get on the board. I would imagine Briscoe will get the win there. Oh Yeah, these promos everyone has been cutting. Yeah. Mark Briscoe cutting these impassioned promos about how he doesn't care he's going to go down fighting. Yeah. Jay Lethal talking about how he feels like a failure, how once upon a time he was the man, but now it's too late could um, Garcia upset Brody King and get on the board? See, this is fascinating because this—it feels like this whole thing has been like a thing for Daniel Garcia yeah. specifically. It's like so
0: fucking close, and all these matches. He's
1: grown so much, though, and that would be such a gigantic upset for him to beat yeah. Brody King.
0: And you know, <laughs> yeah, honestly, like who cares if Brody King takes another loss?
1: That's really not going to be a big deal for him. Yeah, he'd have to win with something other than the sudden death, the red death, because. That that's what he's been learning is that that's not gonna get it done against everybody. Hopefully he like invents a new move and that's how he figures it out.
0: Yeah. Just cannot put over enough how good this tournament has been and how much this has really revived my interest in AEW. Can't they just let me make, just say? This is the I understand they can't do these tournaments all the time, but they need to find ways to make all their mat to make more of their matches matter and feel like this.
1: Yeah. Like, they've taken this tournament, and we, when it was first announced, we were like, oh, all of those guys? Some of those guys don't even matter. Some of them are kind of eh. Every single one of those guys has progressed as a character, is now more over than they were before, has, has just vaulted themselves up in the eyes of the viewing audience. This is incredible. This is exactly what tournaments are meant for. It's a dream come true. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying they need to follow the New Japan model and do a tournament every three months for the entire year, but it's working. They can do worse at a time where
0: for most of this year, their creative has been very unfocused. That would bring a lot of focus to the promotion.
1: If they told you that they were gonna do like a juniors tournament or like yeah. a lucha tournament or like oh something God. like that,
0: I'd be so into a junior tournament with all these lucha guys they've got right now. I'll get yeah, see it. like the Luchas we can go
1: and Commander and all these guys for like Dante Martin and guys yeah. like that in there, just like your flyers, and just be like, in the summer we're gonna give our main eventers a break. It's junior time. Let's do it. That'd be awesome.
0: All right, we'll be talking about this more. I mean, we're gonna go on a little bit of holiday hiatus here, so we may not be back until after the new year to talk about how how this tournament ended. Yeah, fuck. And about how end. the world's end. Yeah. Um, story two: Kenny Omega out indefinitely after surgery to treat diverticulitis. Pretty big shocker. Uh, I think this was literally yesterday. We're recording this Sunday night. I think this story broke yesterday that Kenny had to go to the hospital
1: and have emergency surgery. See, and the number of times it's come up over the past couple of months where you would say something to me like, why isn't Kenny doing this? And I'd be like, well, he's not medically clear all the way. But we could never really figure out why. Like we didn't know what was wrong with him. We just knew he wasn't 100 percent. And it's been that way for like two years now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. It's literally been, I mean, after he
0: lost the title to Hangman back at the end of 2021, he was gone for, what, like eight months? Yeah, we heard he was coming back. He really hasn't
1: been 100%. Yeah, and we've never heard what exactly the injuries were, what he was suffering with. Whatever it was, it was something he could push through if needed. Yeah. But, like, obviously, because he's been having a ton of matches this year, but just spaced out. And to learn that he's been dealing with diverticulitis and probably has been this whole time, God, that explains so much, because that's debilitating. Like oh, yeah. The, the idea that he's training as hard as he is and wrestling the way that he is with that is insane. Yeah. The has ended Brock Lesnar's UFC career in serious business. And it's not because he couldn't fight. It's because he couldn't train. Like, you, can't, yeah. you okay. can't use your abdominal region for anything. Remember
0: when he came back and he was wearing that weird bodysuit because I think he just hadn't been able to
1: work out at all? Yeah, like guys, like they, they also they removed like feet of Brock yeah. Lesnar's intestines. I have to imagine they did something similar for Kenny now. And while dealing with this, he had some
0: unbelievably incredible match with Will Ospreay in the summer. It was in all those great six mans against. um, um Who did wait? Who did them and the, who did him in the Bucks have the seven match series? The uh, Lucha with?
1: Brothers and Pac.
0: Yeah, right. Like, Death trying. All, all this stuff he did, like he did while
1: he was battling diverticulitis. He had a match with Ethan Page last week. Yes. Why did he even have that match? That's insane. Why, it's, what does it matter? Yeah. Why is this Golden Jets shit happening? Let it go. Man, Let that, the, the man rest.
0: Is, the fact that I'm pretty sure he was doped up on painkillers for that promo. Like, why were we bothering with any of this?
1: Like, the, he had emergency surgery the next day. And, like, everyone's just like, oh, he seems kind of off. Yeah, I bet he fucking did. Yeah, because he probably swallowed a whole bottle of pills just to get through the day. Like, thank God he had the surgery. Thank God he's going to be in recovery, can take his time. Obviously, he's been putting this off. I've, the company probably felt like they needed him because they're in a slump. Like, it is what it is. But fuck yeah. knows, that whatever they've been doing with Kenny has not been worth his health. Absolutely oh, not. God, no. Here's the thing. Hey, just like nothing's
0: worth your life, but also like it's not as – nothing he's done since the Will Ospreay match has really meant anything.
1: No, I want you to imagine like let's say that Kenny Omega, we find out that he's wrestled his last match. Yeah. You know, how many – would you have as a wrestling viewer. I would have a lot,
0: a lot. When you think about all the time he spent on this Don Callis feud or this time he spent teaming with Jericho or just honestly, even that seven match all the time teaming with the box was not really worth it. I, I understand if that's just what he had to do because physically he could, but I would have
1: rather he just recuperated instead of pushing himself through those matches That's what I'm saying. Take him off TV for a year and let him get right. Yeah. And then when he comes back, the pop he would get would be outrageous. And then it's okay. I just like the idea that we might never get another match between him and Hangman, between him and Osprey, between him and Okada. We never even got the real match against him and Takeshita. Yeah. Crazy. Which was ostensibly the point of
0: this whole thing. The entire point of this. (sighs) Yeah. Again, I'm sure we'll have more coverage of this as it goes on. Um, and finally, story number three, this newly formed Japanese wrestling alliance.
1: I'm just going to play out and let you take it from here. So we found out, I think like two days ago, like randomly woke up in the morning and saw that there's such a thing now as the United Japan Pro Wrestling Group. Pro Wrestling NOAA, New Japan, All Japan, DDT, Gambare, Big Japan, Dragon Gate, to- Tokyo ah, Joshi Wrestling... And Stardom have all banded together into one thing. They're not one big promotion, but they formed an alliance. Functionally, this alliance only exists for one purpose. They didn't say this, but we understand this to be the case. And that is they've been flirting around the idea of doing this ever since it was first announced that Triple H wanted an NXT Japan. Triple H has been looking for an NXT Japan for an inroads. He's been desperately trying to get one of these promotions to work with him or sell to him outright so he would have some sort of foothold in order to launch this. Because Japan is obviously the next country to launch something like that in. Um, With this foundation, that shit ain't happening. Triple H is dead in the water. Fuck you, Triple H. Japan says no. I have nothing to add. (laughs) It is, it is fascinating, like, some of these people have worked together before, some of these promotions have, all of them never have, and these are unequivocally all of the big promotions in Japan. They left nobody out. It's all, of, they finally got them all to say yes.
0: And one of the things I find fascinating about Japanese wrestling history is how well the promotions have historically worked together, whereas in the United States, every attempt to co-promote has ended with the promoters trying to steal each other's talent and, political issues where the guys won't do jobs to each other and all that. In Japan, it seems like the pe- like people fall over each other to lose to guys from other promotions.
1: Yeah, it is funny because there's been great enmity between the companies and yet they still work together. Goodness, <laughs> funny. Basically, you know the, the president of this new organization is New Japan. All of the other promotions had to agree to be under the umbrella of New Japan, which was the sticking point, I'm sure. Because they've been working on it for years. That's a big swallow. But I mean, in the end, rather have New Japan in charge than WWE. I think pretty much everyone agrees with that.
0: All right. So let's turn the clock back to March 2000 and talk about Uncensored 2000. We Oh, God. <laughs> this is ex- it's exhausting watching this shit. And that's not just because of the 45 segments per show. (laughs) It just, man, and the the vibes are so bad. And it brings back the worst memories of having really loved WCW in 1998 and just seeing what the mess it had
1: become was,
0: how depressing
1: it had gotten. I am so glad that we exist now in this time. Because sometimes things happen before there's really a proper word to describe it, I feel like. But luckily, we've come far enough in history that the word vibes has really come yeah. about. And vi- the vibes are off is the singular perfect phrase for this time in WCW. Stank-ass vibes. It's not that everything's bad. It's not that everything's horrible. It's not that there's no good performances. It's just that the vibes are off, dude. Just
0: As a fan,
1: I think you can
0: sense that it's rudderless, that this is just... Ind- I think by this point like Sullivan and Nash by this point, I think have given up on the idea that they're going to turn things around and they're just kind of playing this. It's, you know, it's like when an NFL team fires their coach and the interim coach takes over and it's like, okay, we're going to play the string out here, but we still have to show up for our games, but nobody really cares. Like right. everybody's just trying to, you know, the coaches are all calling their networks, trying to line up a new job. The players are just auditioning to keep their spot for next year's team. And everybody's just, going to try to not get hurt and give it another shot next year as detroit lions and chicago bears fans we've both been through that many many times
1: currently going through it yep yep yep.
0: (laughs) so it's super brawl sid retained the wcw title over jeff jarrett and scott hall in the main event and hulk hogan beat lex luger in his return match to wcw
1: no one cared at all no one bought the show God, I would punch in the face anyone who I found out bought that show. And that's coming from me. Yeah.
0: The main event of Nitro on February 21st was Hogan versus Lex Luger in a cage. Hogan did a 1985 Saturday Night's Main Event promo where he was literally, like, behind a cage wall, you know, trying to put this match over. It just... Every all the Hogan look Hogan go, has gone back to red and yellow and literally is just trying to do his nineteen eighty five Hulkamania stuff at this point.
1: And not only does that look wrong, but he looks old he looks older than he looked when he came back in wwe years later like he looks like he
0: looks so bad the trunks were such a mistake they needed to get him red like red and yellow pants like he would later wear in the wwf
1: he just looks like an old man in red diapers just running around sad and man flair flair looks ancient too I will, I will put this out there. We have seen some old-ass people wrestle each other. We watched Vince versus Hogan, Vince versus Brett. Yeah. We've seen old men. We've seen Flair wrestle 10 and then 20 years from this point. And yet, I will argue, this match right here is the two oldest-looking any two men have ever been in a wrestling ring.
0: Rick Flair has described himself as a, quote-unquote, cosmetic disaster at this point. I would agree with that. <laughs> His body is not looking good he's just to yeah. start starting to lose it at this point he looks much better in the WWF in 2002 a couple years after this he's got he gets in a way better shape he also he probably had like some lipo and got some fat sucked out i mean he's even here he's in remarkable shape for a guy who's 50
1: years old here i don't want to denigrate him I mean, you say that, and then you go you go and look in like Bobby Lashley's 50 years old now. Yeah, fair point. He doesn't quite look like Bobby Lashley. <laughs> but Rick, no, but, those, were, those were long years. He lived hard. Also, Ric Flair was never shredded. No, That just wasn't the, his aesthetic.
0: Uh, so we did Hogan versus Luger in the cage. Ric Flair interfered, so it was a no contest. Flair and Luger... Managed to eventually get the advantage on Hogan and they whipped him with a belt and then they broke Doug Dillinger's arm for some
1: reason. I do love the idea of like the the revenge of the cage on Dillinger, right? It's just like, hey, remember when you fucked over Sting all those years ago? Now we break your fucking arm. (laughs) Well, speaking of Sting, he
0: apparently just went home after Super Brawl, even though he was supposed to be on Nitro the next night. Maybe he heard there was going to be a thing with Doug Dillinger in a cage and he just didn't want anything to do with that.
1: That's very funny. Part of the problem in all of this is like... When if you were a fan watching at home, which you in fact were, I was. When you saw when you saw it was gonna be Hogan Flair again, wouldn't you just roll your fucking eyes and be yes. like, can, "Can these guys wrestle anybody else? Anyone?" Just be,
0: and to me, even as you know an 11 year old or whatever, it was just transparent that like they're trying to like turn back things to the past. Like they're doing a match that used to be a really big match and hoping
1: there's still some juice left in it. And like every wrestling company's guilty of that sometimes, yeah. but like when you're putting all your hopes behind that, like no, not that I see here's the problem. Hulk Hogan is such a big star, and none of these new guys you got coming up are. so like how do you like breach the gap between like the, your mid Carters and wrestling Hulk Hogan? It just doesn't feel like that's possible. Well, I
0: think Hogan should probably just be a heel because I think he was much better as a heel in WCW. I think he could have done. There would have if you, you can get Bischoff. You know, he's willing to come back as an on-screen performer. So I think doing something where Bischoff comes back to manage Hogan as a heel might have something. And then you need Hogan to put. I mean, you can build to. Another big Hogan Goldberg match because we only ever had him wrestle one time. There's probably
1: still some equity there. That's not bad. And like Heel Hogan still has some heat against some of these guys. Like Heel Hogan against Babyface Sid is fascinating. Yeah. Like I would actually just be into that.
0: Hogan just being terrified of Sid would be awesome.
1: So like I get that ha- having him wrestle like Luger and Flair is just like come on man we've no, seen did, this show a I thousand times. I think
0: Luger times. against Sid could have been something just because they're both so physically impressive and they've really never wrestled each
1: other. No, I'm trying to think if they've ever wrestled each other. Yeah, we were both in the Horsemen like, but like yeah. we were both world champions, but our paths never crossed. We were the two genetic lotteries, but we've never gotten in the ring together. So, the
0: next week on Nitro,
1: because they put
0: Jimmy Hart in that coffin on wheels, the ambulance, Hogan makes the ultimate challenge to Ric Flair for a Yappa Pie Indian Strap Match.
1: Now, of course, my first exposure to this match was through Matthew and Botchamania, as I think so many people's was. Yappa Pie Yapa Pie Snap <laughs> And because of that legendary promo Hogan cuts where he's just backstage Going Yappa yeah, Pie
0: Snaps the belt yeah, <laughs> And he's just like I'll whip you And your flesh will start to bubble flare And then I'll take the other Strap and I'll whip you with that one too. And then I'll combine the two Straps and in that moment I will become Hollywood
1: Brother He even says at one point, like, I'll reach down with power from the skies above. And I'm like, this is a warrior promo. What are we
0: doing? That's the crazy thing. He literally starts becoming the ultimate warrior here. It's the wildest thing in the world. (laughs) Okay. So what is a -a Yappapai Indian strap match?
1: Please tell me. I just watched it and I don't know. (laughs)
0: Okay, here's what I think happened. I'm guessing they wanted to just call it an Indian strap match. And Turner's standards and practices was probably like, you can't call it an Indian strap match. You have to call it a Native American strap match. And I'm sure they're like, no, we can't do that. So they're like, well, what if we name it after one of the tribes? Can we do that? And I'm sure Turner was like, yeah, sure. So there's a tribe in Arizona called the called the Yavapai with a v. It's oh, not no. a big or famous tribe. It's only like 2,000 people or something, but it is one of them, and it's cool-sounding. So what I think happened is it was supposed to be called a Yavapai strap match, and Hogan just messed up the pronunciation <laughs> and said, Yappapai, and it's not like somebody had an iPhone to Google it on right then and there. Nobody ever, like, if it had been Cherokee, people would have known how to pronounce it, but, you know, Yavapai is a pretty obscure tribe. So instead, he said, Yappapai, And they just had to roll with it.
1: Can you imagine being somebody who was like a descendant of the Yavapai people sitting at home watching this on TV being like, does he mean us?
0: (laughs) Is he talking about us right now? He's saying it wrong. Is he an apple pie or is he talking about us? (laughs) The apple pie Indian strap match. The funny thing is, my theory is they couldn't call it it, but he does call it a Yappa pie Indian strap match several times. Again, you just can't stop him once he says it. But I feel like the announcers always
1: just reference it as the Yappa pie strap match. I just, why can't it just be a strap match? What does it being a Native American strap match have to do I, with literally anything? I mean, I've
0: heard that – I've heard stra- – like, the Indian strap match is a thing, but I don't think it differentiated at all from a normal strap match. Yes. And I feel like usually the quote-unquote Indian strap match just always involved, like, Strongbow or Tatanka. It was Wahoo McDaniel, or, yeah. yeah. who yeah. Like, and the other thing – how did they think a strap match was going to get over into like a main event strap match in 2000?
1: Every single time a strap match has come up in the last 30 years, it is in absolute defiance of any sort of common sense. And it's still being done to this day. Stop it. Let it go. Let it die.
0: Brian Danielson has managed to have good strap matches. He's like the only guy who can do it. Him and JTG and Shad. That's it. JTG <laughs> and
1: Shad. Rest in peace, <laughs> Shad Gaspard. Yep, real Hall of Famer for me for wrestling the only good strap match I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, the rest of the card, they're
1: going to do Jarrett versus Sid for the belt, which is a total afterthought. I will give them credit for this. Normally Uncensored is so chock-a-block with random, weird-ass gimmick matches, and this show's really not. In fact, all the gimmick matches on this one are basically the same as anything you'd see on, like, a Starcade in the 80s. Sure. Um, Could
0: anyone possibly take Jeff Jarrett seriously against Sid? No.
1: Like, and they present the match straight up because this yeah. Jeff Jarrett character is incapable of showing any kind of vulnerability or anything no, like that that would make him interesting. No, everything he's just like ha 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 slap nuts I'm the chosen one. That's why he this is the worst character in wrestling history and I mean that with bar none because like he should be a chicken shit heel yeah. maneuvering things to his advantage. He should be like Jay White basically, right? And to have a character like that, they have to show vulnerability in some way. They have to sell at some point for someone. And he never does. And he should be scared shitless of Sid. Like, Everyone it's should Sid be scared shitless him. of Sid. Yeah. I also love the idea. So also coming into this, Sid and Hogan have made an agreement to watch each other's backs. Of course. Which is hilarious. Because there's no reason in the world Hulk Hogan should feel comfortable having even a conversation with Sid.
0: No. Sid's a crazy man. Or that Sid should need anyone to watch
1: his back. Or that Sid would trust Hulk fucking Hogan, the man who betrayed him and eliminated him from the Royal Rumble many years ago. Well, they're they're
0: building to Hogan versus Sid for next month. But that doesn't happen because they do a reboot and throw all the storylines out the window. Who is going to turn heel in that?
1: Uh, probably Sid. I don't think Hogan was going back heel at this point. See, but weirdly, I feel like face Sid is like one of the few things they got working.
0: It's weird. He's really over. People love
1: Sid. He's genuinely over.
0: Uh, We've also got Sting versus Luger in a Lumberjack match.
1: Again, gimmicks that don't draw. Okay, three out of four matches on this show. Bull Rope, Lumberjack, Yappa Pie. What the fuck are we doing?
0: Could you book a Bull Rope match and a Strap match on the same
1: show? What? It, the only thing that makes sense is that different, completely different bookers were handling both of those matches. Which, and I think w- w- we'll find that that's what's happening. Yeah, I mean, all of this, A, it's booked by committee, but it also just feels like at a
0: certain point none of these guys are like even talking to each other. And it's yeah, just don't totally, you feel like- it's just totally segmented. It's just like okay, Sullivan, you've got the you've got the main event, like Nash is booking this, like Ferrara's booking this and I don't know Terry Taylor whoever books like this mid-card program. It feels like these guys aren't even like they're all so mad at each other, they're not they're not
1: even talking anymore. I will go even further than that. I think that they all have a group of guys they're allowed to book because it feels yeah. like none of these guys ever escape their little bubble that they're in. That's like probably if you're in, right. If they you're fighting, got these divisions guys, on the roster. yeah. Yeah. If you're these group of guys, you never stop fighting basically that same group of guys, no matter what.
0: I mean, the other thing is we're getting really close to Bischoff and Russo coming back. To the point where I think they're starting to have influence, even if maybe it's just like they're back channeling to Bill Bush or whoever. But like you're clearly starting to he- you- there's Russo fingerprints on this show. A bunch right. of the commentary is like it sounds just like R- stuff Russo's feeding. And then maybe it's a, the other person is like Russo Ferrara is still involved. although I don't think he has a lot of influence. So Russo may just be talking to Ferrara now.
1: Also, Candido getting signed is absolutely Russo. There's nobody else who's bringing in Candido at this point. Got to get
0: Sonny in there. I thought, Nash, they don't. I thought Nash liked Candido because he had this idea for Candido to be the Cruiserweight Bully, which well, is a great idea.
1: Candido's not maybe big enough for that, but I love Cruiserweight Bully, so I don't yeah. care. Like, I'll take a Cruiserweight Bully anytime. Fucking Nash himself should have been the Cruiserweight Bully. It uh, would have just been the paparazzi championship series from TNA.
0: Yeah, the most entertaining
1: television in the yes. history of wrestling. I agree with you, Steve. That's
0: exactly what these shows could use is just a lot more Kevin Nash. Club. Like the fact that they Nash hasn't been around very much while he's injured is a bummer because Kevin Nash can get backstage
1: segments over where he's just sitting around shooting the shit with people. What we learned in TNA is that no matter how bad your product is, you just need a couple of entertaining things to get you through the broadcast and then you move on to next week, right? And, like, that's what paparazzi stuff was. Nash would just be like, hey, let's do a funny segment with me and Shelly backstage ragging on somebody. And, like, that's if that's the only good thing on Impact that week, at least you had that.
0: Right. Let's, let's bring in Bob Backlund and you can yell at us for being perverts and watching pornography. That show was fantastic. The highlight of our TNA season.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. At this point, it feels like Nash and Sullivan probably know that they're bringing back Russo and Bischoff. So I feel like at this point they're just like. Let's not stick them with too much. Like, let's not book them into any corners. We don't want to do like the storylines aren't really advancing at this point. Like, just nothing is happening on Nitro. Yep.
1: Like, this, this could have been, this whole show could have just been the Nitro after the pay per view we just covered. Yeah. Like, that's how little things have progressed.
0: All right. Again, this season is one big lightning round, but are you ready for the lightning
1: round? Never been more ready for anything in my life.
0: Saturday night viewership fell under one million homes for the first time ever.
1: God, that's so sad, isn't it? Yeah, not even I was watching anymore. It's amazing it was over 1 million viewers. Again, this is obviously a different time, but this is more people than were watching TNA Impact when it was a success on Spike TV. Let's be clear about that. That's people who are watching WCW Saturday night in 1999.
0: It's six o'clock on a Saturday night. That many people were watching.
1: That's fucking, that's perverts right there. Yeah.
0: Sting and Vampiro were reportedly being considered as tag team. Sting teaming up with a younger,
1: face-painted weirdo. What a concept! It's funny because doesn't that when you hear that, doesn't it sound like? Well, yeah, they probably should have done that
0: instead. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, they should have had them feud eventually. Yeah, like when when I just asked the question, how do you get guys from the mid card up to Hogan's level? Yeah, that's how. Like, you have them start interacting with the real stars.
0: The Goldberg Monster Truck reached the number one ranking in whatever the Monster Truck rankings are.
1: Yeah, go Goldberg Monster Truck. You beat a S- Gravedigger. Suck a grave
0: Gravedigger. And the,
1: <laughs> there was a Steve Austin Monster Truck, too. I couldn't tell you the name of any of the other ones, but no. sure.
0: A tour of England drew huge crowds with over 10,000 people for three consecutive nights, just like TNA.
1: Again, that country was so starved for wrestling for so long. If only anybody would have thought to go make money there. Lex Luger came
0: out for a promo wearing a FUBU jersey. I don't think he's the us they were talking about. I really don't think so. Oh, Nitro DJ DJ Rand signed a new contract. How the fuck is DJ Rand getting a contract extension when they should be cutting costs with an axe?
1: Also, Nitro had a DJ. Yeah, he really only played during
0: the commercials. This, I mean, it was a cost, it was cost savings because I think by this point they've let the Nitro girls
1: go. Yeah, I mean they they've transferred all the Nitro girls they think they can use into on screen performers and they let the rest of them go. So why are we still paying this guy?
0: Brian Nobbs shaved off one of the wall's eyebrows while he was passed out on the European tour. Little I proud was in charge, charge I would be pretty annoyed when wrestling. guys did this
1: specific one because now he looks like an asshole on television. Granted, the wall already looked like an asshole on television, but still. Don't mess with the guy's look. This tradition in wrestling of, like, if you pass,
0: or you just, like, fall asleep, we're going to do something fucked up, dude. It's like, why aren't you allowed to sleep?
1: Yeah, this is the thing. I'd be staying, like, taking, like, those trucker stay-awake pills. Like, there's no way you're going to catch me by myself. But also, you could just be purely awake and the wife of the president of the company get pissed on. So, I mean, it's not like it's your safe from anybody.
0: There was reportedly consideration to bringing in UFC fighters Don Fry and Mark Coleman to be paired with Rick Steiner and managed by Paul Orndorff. This is just mad labs.
1: Okay. Bringing in Don Fry is not actually a horrible idea. No. He actually drew real money for New Japan. Like yeah. That's actually like a good plan. That's a better I think.
0: version of Tank
1: Abbott, right? He looks awesome with his big-ass mustache and he's all jacked up. Coleman less so, but still a little bit pairing them with Rick Steiner why are they the new varsity club what are we doing here i have no
0: idea but yeah bringing in Don Fry as a killer and building him up to fight Goldberg makes total sense i mean it's Bob Sapp is who you i would want Yeah, like Bob Sapp really isn't there yet.
1: yeah don fry's already there and ready again don fry's not great in the ring don't get me wrong no, and like it doesn't matter it's also notoriously complicated to get to do jobs but he has done jobs. Yeah. So like if the you're going to the do only Warren, job I'm gonna
0: ask him to do is Goldberg. I build him up all year and then have Goldberg beat him at
1: Starcade. I, I think it works. I think if you get him, I think you you make some money with that shit, yeah. You could do worse than trying to turn yourself into UFI at this point. Everything should just be UFI. There's also a lot of guys around this time who start to become like big stars from pride. That like aren't necessarily well known in America yet, but like yeah. have a ton of star power. Like your Kevin Randlemans and not necessarily like your Crow Cops and guys who have no idea. Sh-
0: you can get Shamrock and Severn at this point.
1: Shamrock, I would definitely get if I could get.
0: I think it's crazy they didn't. I don't even really know what he's up to at this point. Is he doing like pride fights at this point? He I think so, but he's not- he doesn't go back to UFC for another year or two. Well, because he does TNA
1: in O2, and then he's got the Orte- first Ortiz fight that year, I think. But here's the thing. like, Even if you make a deal with Shamrock, like, we get you for three months, and then you can go back to training the rest of the year. I think you take that deal. Like, That's a guy who could be a game-changer for you. Shamrock Goldberg sounds like a great main event that could draw some money. We are dangerously close now to doing the thing where like, it's going to be a bunch of fakey-fake bullshit in every other segment, and then this is the real shit. Yeah. They do that anyway, but it sucks, whereas, like, when you bring in a bunch of tough dudes who can really fight, it might intrigue people. Just imagining those Vignettes where they show, like, Don Fry beating the shit out of people. He had that fight with Takayama that is, like, the most violent fight in the history of MMA. Have you ever seen that clip? Where they come out and they just immediately start clubbing each other in the face for like three straight minutes. That
0: sounds awesome. That sounds exactly what I want out of pro wrestling.
1: It is literally the most like, like one of the most famous clips. It made Takeyama like a household name in Japan. Like that's the shit. Like you could make one of the greatest Vignettes of all time with Don Fry. Gene Okerlund was arrested for DUI. Ooh, I was afraid of what you were going to say at the end of that sentence. D.L.I. is probably the most yeah. innocent thing Gino could have been arrested for. Famous
0: thing he possibly could have been doing in the middle of the night. Oof. Oh, Gino. A notorious TNA fraudster Jay Hosman was fired. I want like a documentary documentary series on this guy and all the stuff he got up to. I can't even
1: remember most of it now. I just hear that name and I'm just like, oh, God, that guy.
0: I mean, the two things he did one, he lied to the Jarretts about how much their pay per views were selling, so they thought they were making a bunch of money when they were actually losing their ass. And two, he was responsible for the WSW rebrand that created the robot vagina logo.
1: Like, literally, like a 30 for 30 about this man who was so clearly unqualified and only <laughs> ever did dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It would be hilarious. And I feel like there's just a bunch of these guys in
0: WCW who were just absolutely incompetent stooges and just stuck around forever. Like, fucking Mike Graham. Think of all the things Mike Graham fucked up over the
1: years. Don't you feel like any sort of competent person could just go in with a clipboard and be like, all right, so why do we employ this man? Yeah. Okay, he's fired. Why do we employ this man?
0: Yeah, yeah, like, honestly, even Kevin Sullivan at least did
1: some good things, but also HR Disaster. Even There's guys on this roster like Lanny Poffo, yeah. who's never wrestled a match for them ever, and yeah. never did.
0: And I assume they've let him, now that Savage is gone, I would assume they let him go. Like, they, they hired Lanny as a favorite to Randy, is the obvious thing. Randy, I'm sure, was just like, can you pay my brother? And they were like, yeah,
1: sure. Yeah, but they had an actual plan to put him on screen, and then they just never did it. Yeah. And then, like, uh, when did they stop paying Sheik? Because it took him like, years.
0: <laughs> I love the idea that Sheik was still getting paid in, like, them. It feels like Sheik could have shown up on one of those early Nitros with some of the weird stuff they did. Like, why not? Had one-man gang around? And Kamala, why not just have Sheik come out and put Hogan over?
1: Yeah, fucking Hogan beats the Sheik in ten seconds. Why not? Because Sheik wouldn't have done it. <laughs> and she, she says, I'm not jobbing to that
0: jabroni. And finally, the hammer. Terry Taylor was reportedly removed from the booking committee despite having, quote, the best ideas, according to a source close to the situation, who talked to mm. Dave Meltzer. Wonder who that source was. What a mystery. Interesting.
1: Yeah. A source says that Terry Taylor has the best ideas. Terry
0: Taylor, Terry Taylor might be the single biggest stooge ever in wrestling, which is really saying something
1: and it's really worked out for him if you think about it because yeah. like i can't imagine any other reason why he ever should have had a job anywhere no. for
0: any reason when we talk about just like incompetent buffoons like terry taylor seemingly one of the stupidest people in
1: pro wrestling and, and it feel like i'm not i don't know terry taylor it's just that like when everyone in all of wrestling says that you're a dickhead stooge who knows nothing and has bad ideas it's probably true eventually yeah. All right. So to get into the show,
0: it's Sunday, March the 19th, 2000. We are at the American Airlines Arena in Miami, Florida. Um, there's about 10,000 people in attendance, but only 2,500 of them paid. Oh, they gave away 7,500 tickets? 75% of the tickets were paper what the fuck you can't you couldn't do a pay-per-view with two thousand people but But still in the the this is how they just they kill they've killed they're killing every town at this point because what kind of idiot is going to pay for these tickets when you can just get them for free? like imagine how easy it must have been to get these tickets they must have literally just been given away like on every street corner to give away that many
1: yeah, if you need to get that many people in there, they were just, like, sending them to their homes or something like that, I would imagine. Yeah. But if they if you get pay-per-view tickets for free, not only are you not going to pay for the next pay-per-view comes to your town, but you're not going to pay for Nitro, you're not going to yeah. pay for a house show. Why? You got pay-per-view tickets for free! Like, how much you're, like, rubbing that in the face of your loyal fans who actually bought tickets. Oh, and I bet you the people who bought them still paid, like, 50 bucks. They paid, yeah. like, the real price. The average was
0: about 40, because the gate was $97,000. Somebody back, paid we're $500. dollars we to 1993 here.
1: Somebody paid $500 to sit front row. Oh. And that's, that guy felt like a rube, because the guy behind him paid nothing.
0: I think maybe the worst number, $7,000 in merchandise sales. Dude, three dollars a head. Back when they were hot, they were doing like twenty bucks a head. Like
1: everybody was buying a shirt. All right. So what are the numbers on that? How much did you say merchandise? Seven thousand. Seven grand. So there are ten thousand people in the building. Yeah, I guess I was doing it by paid. Yeah, it's like less than a dollar per head. Like that means one in every twenty people bought a shirt.
0: Stunningly bad. Again, embarrassing.
1: when they were hot, it was literally they were selling like as many shirts as people. Like even today, like WWE, we agree it's during a boom period. But like it's so much easier to buy shirts online. At the time, you could really only buy them at the venue. If you wanted a wrestling shirt, you had to buy it there. Even now, the lines are out the fucking door to get shirts at the merch stands. Like – to think that, like, you could go there... That means no one was in line, Steve. No one. <laughs> you no, could have walk, just walked, walked right through. Um, walked up to get my Brian Knob shirt.
0: I got another incredible number. They sold, like, over 2,000 tickets the day of the on-sale. They sold 95% of the tickets the day they put them on sale. Nothing what? about the
1: pay-per-view drew it all. Okay, but this is fascinating for two reasons. Because, one... That's not the worst, like, no. first day sales you can imagine. No. Which means they had they still had some rabid fans. Yeah. And then nothing they did on television in any way added to that number.
0: <laughs> nope. Incredible. That's the fascinating. Buy 0.13 for 60,000 buys. We're into TNA territory
1: here. Literally, this is the same number as TNA's best-selling show of all time. <laughs> Angle vs. Joe, yeah. Angle vs. Joe. Now, I want you to imagine that's a much better show than this one is. <laughs> they had done 325,000
0: buys the previous year for Hogan versus Flair in the cage, and it was a kind of weak number.
1: Guys... To go from 500,000 to 200,000 is a, a drag, horrible, terrible. But to go from anything to 60, 60,000,
0: they're still doing a
1: you know
0: 2.5 rating on Monday nights. They have millions and millions of people
1: watching their shows and they just cannot convince them to spend money on it. And that, that's the worst thing that you can have. It's like you have an audience. It's just you can't convert them into money because what you're actually putting on doesn't excite them at all. People were purely watching out of habit and boredom at this point. I would say that a lot of it is still just channel changing from yeah. WWF. Like during commercials, you'll still go check out the other thing rather than sit through
0: the WWF has the occasional dud of a segment. They, you, know, you have the occasional Viscera versus
1: Hardcore Holly match or whatever. Yeah, you can flip over, see what it is. The Mama Luke's, you'd be like, oh shit, it's the Mama Lukes.
0: It's my guys, Vito and Johnny. <laughs> oh man, if only Tommy DeVito had existed. That Tommy DeVito's agent would have been on Nitro immediately as the manager of the Mama Luke's if he existed. Oh my
1: god, you are absolutely correct about that.
0: That guy is setting back decades of progress made by Italians of <laughs> fighting against stereotypes. It's remarkable. <laughs> Hey,
1: oh, I'm Tony DeVito. I play, I play quarterback for the Giants. I ate spaghetti in my mama's basement.
0: <laughs> Just Italians spending decades trying to prove they're not a bunch of stereotypical mobster thugs. And then a guy named Tommy Cutlets and his agent in his black suit and Fedora come along. It's it's some special shit, man. I I kinda love it, honestly. <laughs> oh man. We open with a promo that runs through the Sting Luger, Hogan Flair, and Sid Jarrett issues. And then we get some quick little backstage segments, Hogan and Sid talk, Jarrett huddles with the Harris brothers, and a black limo pulls up in the
1: parking lot. So Jarrett's thing is that the Harris brothers are like, uh, uh, boss, uh, you got a plan for how we're going to beat Sid tonight? Because they're worried.
0: Because yeah, Because they should likely. be worried.
1: And he's like, no, nah, don't worry about that slap nut. I got a plan for that. We will later see that he does not have a good plan for that.
0: Later, he does not have a plan. I have to <laughs> confess, I don't remember who's, I, like, I watched this show the other day and I don't remember who's in this limo. We'll see. It's in my notes somewhere, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Opening match for the
1: Cruiserweight title. We've got the artist defending against Psychosis. This is so funny because on the last show, if you recall, I literally said, why the fuck isn't he facing somebody like psychosis? And here he is facing psychosis and the match sucks. So I was wrong.
0: Yeah. You can't save everything. The artist is really bad.
1: We also have the version of psychosis with no mask because he too has been unmasked. At least this time it wasn't WCW who did it. He lost the mask in AAA, I believe. Um, he looks so much like just a guy without his mask versus with the mask. He's awesome. Here's the thing. Some luchadors are Juventud Guerrera or Andrade where you take the mask off and you're yeah. like, my God, why were you covering so that? so beautiful. And the rest of them are probably like Psychosis and Rey where it's just like, oh, that made you look like a superhero. Now you just look like some guy.
0: Before the match can get going, Chris Candido comes out making his WCW debut, and he joins the commentary team. He demands to be addressed as Hard Knocks
1: Candido. Sure. Um, So, like, if indeed this was supposed to be like the beginning of cruiserweight bully Chris Candido, that's not actually how he presents this. He just literally whines the entire time he's on commentary about, I've had it so hard in every promotion I've ever been to, and I've had hard knocks. And Shawn Michaels fucked my girlfriend. If he had just straight up said on commentary, (laughs) Shawn Michaels fucked my girlfriend. Why not? That was the direction this was going in. They should have just done it. Fuck it. Just say it.
0: The highlight of this match is when Paisley takes down Hoovy outside, rips his shirt off, and tries to rip off his pants. But to be fair, many women
1: would like to do that to Hoovy in this era. And men. Raising my hand in the background right now. fair point. The juice. And then she distracts
0: Psychosis and the artist with terrible timing. Takes forever to do it, but hits
1: a diving DDT for the pen. Look everything that paisley and the artist do is painfully wrong and like at least with paisley she's been this is charmel but she's basically been a performer for like six months now maybe Mm -hmm. like doesn't make sense that she should be put in this position uh the the artist has been a wrestler for like seven years now there's no real excuse he's just bad Then backstage, Mean Gene
0: interviews Bam Bam Bigelow. Um, he says he brought the wall into wrestling, and now Bam Bam is upset with how he's acting. It's actually a pretty decent promo by Bam
1: Bam. Yeah. Uh,
0: then we've got Norman Smiley and the Demon against Lane and Rave. That's Lenny Lane and Lodi from Raven's Flock.
1: Yes, they're going as excess here. Which is interesting. This is like a pre-them being like gay stereotypes, I guess. They haven't like formed into that yet, I guess.
0: Yeah, here they're trying to be straight bros. Although they rejected Miss Hancock, apparently.
1: Yeah, I thought that the implication here was that it was going to turn out they were gay and that's why they rejected Miss Hancock. That would explain a lot. That's one of the explanations you can come up with. But none of that exists here. They're just like, we don't need you, woman. We're all man over here. Hell yeah. And then she just kind of awkwardly stands there throughout the entire match, not saying anything. While Tony Schiavone offers her, hey, uh, do you want any iced tea with lemon? We got some water over here if you want any.
0: Miss Hancock is, of course, the very beautiful Stacey Keebler wearing like a... Business suit with a very short skirt and high heels. Uh, she is about as hot as any woman has ever been here. I think
1: that's fair to say. <laughs> like,
0: I understand why they put her out here, even though they have nothing for her to do, because it's just like she is so stunningly beautiful that I guarantee you men do not change the channel when she's on TV. I know I
1: didn't. It's actually very funny because I don't think anyone ever figured out anything for her to actually do while on screen. And no. yet she will be heavily on screen for years and no one really complains about it.
0: Nope. Nobody has a big problem. George Clooney liked it. That's true. Yeah. Do we have a suggestion as what they should. Be? I, I, I don't know. I never she, figured it I, out. I, just, I tried to think about it a it lot. lot. She just could be, be constantly fighting over her would be realistic. Like it can't be a role
1: that involves a lot of talking because she never got nope. particularly good at that.
0: She can dance pretty well. Yeah, that yeah. was that was her role for a while. She would just come out and they would play music and she would dance on the announce table. Which is, um, it's all right. Appeals. I guess. That was uh, usually my favorite part of the show back when I was, you know, ten and watching this. I say you were what, like ten years old when you were watching yeah. this at the time. Woo. Norman comes out of the demon's casket. That was hilarious. Norman's got, you know,
1: the face paint and everything on. This was, I loved this. Whoever it is who's booking the WCW tag division. I want to like bake a matreya cookies for like actually putting in some work. Look, between the Mama Luke's and the screaming demon. The screaming demons, yeah. It's so stupid, but it works. Like, I I actually like it. (laughs) This is this was
0: a good comedy match. Like this was actually well, one these like Torborg's not particularly good, but Smiley's a great wrestler, and yes. Lane Lane and Lodi are fine. But like it's a good mix of comedy and wrestling, and it's funny and it's totally welcome on this show. Yeah, and then uh,
1: the Screaming Demons win. Yeah, and then Smiley and Lody- with the Norman Conquest. Lenny and Lodi blame Miss Hancock for the loss, even though she's just been chilling by the commentary table the whole time.
0: And then, they like, Norman does the big wiggle with Miss Hancock,
1: and then they get the ref to do it after some coaxing. Let's be clear. When he said that, maybe you thought that Norman was the one doing the big wiggle to Miss Hancock. No, no, no. Opposite. Yeah, she does it to him. Yeah, I love I love the big wiggle. What a great gimmick! There's nothing in the world wrong with the big wiggle. Like Norman Smiley is so fucking over. The crowd is chanting Norman throughout this entire match. He's the only thing in the mid card that is purely working on its own merit
0: backstage booker and kidman talk about what happened on thunder i didn't follow what happened on thunder to be honest uh, kidman being a little shit that wouldn't surprise me
1: apparently basically what i got from it was that like booker needed his help because he got jumped and kidman was ba- busy backstage trying to bang his wife oh, Which, okay. i mean fair not, not
0: booker's <laughs> wife kidman's no, wife no yeah that's
1: okay fair 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 <laughs> kidman's wife who if he's trying to bang booker's future wife
0: next up we've got bam bam Bigelow versus the wall um, whole lot of clover in
1: here this this is a kind of match that I've enjoyed when other people were in it this is not the time for bam bam and it's never the time for the wall.
0: that's the wall brother it's the wall um, they fight up to the set where wall choke slams big bam bam through a table and that's a DQ. They stretch her Bam Bam off. I don't know if he actually got hurt here or not. I don't really remember him being around in WSW after this,
1: but they this might, might have just, just be how they like write him off. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they may probably just released him as a cost-cutting move at this point. And then... Crowbar and David Flair attack the wall and he kicks both their asses. Crowbar climbs up the set and wall choke slams him off, which is at least a 10 foot drop. He crashes through some, you know, balsa wood set up on the stage. And hopefully there was a crash pad down there. Although I'm not convinced there was. It's going to be a lot.
1: There's going to be a lot here. <laughs> like this is, this is bad. I I, I got to say like, We've seen bumps like this before, but, like, usually it was more clear that the performer was safe after they happened, and they really don't do that here. No. Nope. The Mean
0: Gene interviews Brian Nobbs. He dedicates his next match to Crowbar and Bigelow, which I'm sure made them feel much better.
1: Oh, yeah. Also, like, Crowbar's a horrible heel, sort of, still. Yeah, right? Even though they're feuding with The uh, Wall now? Uh, I'm not uh, sure. Are there, again? Are there really any faces and heels
0: in this promotion at this point?
1: But as of like a week before this, like Crowbar was part of a horrific heel stable that was like kidnapping people. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter. I just, you, I think you're
0: putting too much thought into this. This is more thought than I think any of the writers put into this.
1: That's that's true. You got me there.
0: Then for the Hardcore title, we've got Three Count against Brian Nobbs. Three Count are the Hardcore champion. Even the announcers have to admit this is a low point for the Hardcore title.
1: Which is so funny because it's the Hardcore title. Like, let's let's just repeat that. A dark point for this belt. The The illustrious history of the WCW Hardcore title. Maybe the most meaningless title belt that has ever existed in any company. It's up there.
0: I don't know why it took knobs forever to come out here. That is true.
1: Like I don't know if he was did just you, get, gonna, did did you get
0: lost it. on his way to the ring or something.
1: Somebody was trying to convince him not to go out and have this terrible match. He's about to have just go. Home. I, I enjoyed this. I know. Look, I am a sucker for the three count stuff as much as anything. This is maybe the sloppiest they ever were in a match. Like, I don't think any move performed in this match went as planned.
0: So the rules are Knobs has to pin all three members of three count to win, and it's three on one at all times.
1: That's a good idea. I love the idea of someone as big as Nob just blasting through three count. Like, that's a cool plan. Each member
0: of three count climbs a ladder and jumps off onto knobs, including more doing a swanton bomb that I guess missed.
1: He misses by like a foot. Yeah. Like he is not close. Knobs, Again though, it's the WCW ring. So it's yeah, so tight to go straight like, down. You Gotta
0: go straight down. <laughs> knob's then pins Helms after holding up a chair to his face and hitting it with a mop. Sure. <laughs> then he power bombs Courageous over the top through a table and pins him. Ouch. Yep. Nobs picks up Moore, but Courageous flies in with a missile drop kick, and Moore gets the pin. But then it turns out Nobs had a foot on the rope, and the match continues. Nobs then hits more with the trash can off the middle rope and gets the one, two, three. Look, look,
1: it was garbage, but I enjoyed it. It, I cannot blame you even one slight bit for enjoying it. I really can't. (laughs) This stuff
0: is all so stupid at this point that it's just kind of like, who cares?
1: Like, I actually kind of like the idea of three count as the champions because you can't ever beat all three of them so they just keep the belts for ages and people, as everyone just blasts through them anyway.
0: Oh, I'm realizing I missed something great for the lightning round. At some point here, and it may have been the previous month, Jim Duggan found the TV title in a trash can where Scott Hall had thrown it, and he just became the TV champion.
1: That's awesome that you would become a champion just because you found the belt in the garbage
0: See, here's the thing. That's a redo of when Midian found the European title in Shane McMahon's bag. And he just became the champion? Yep. Fuck's sake, guys. (laughs) Written by Vince Russo. It hurts my feelings how stupid Vince Russo thinks we are as fans. Yep. Like, I just... You just get the sense Vince Russo thinks anybody who takes wrestling even remotely seriously is a
1: dumbass. Like it just, I'm just trying to imagine what it would but be like to have a conversation. On,
0: isn't the joke on him, the grown man who could never do make a living doing
1: anything other than writing this fake pro wrestling? Oh, absolutely. And I think maybe that's what he was always offended by, is that he always just thought that he could like work it into like some movies or something, and he just never could. Sure couldn't. He's really never made a dime outside
0: of wrestling. Yep. Oh, man. Mean Gene interviews Stevie Ray and Big T, and then Vampiro is just sitting by himself, and he cuts a terrible promo. It's amazing how bad a talker Vampiro is. Could you figure out what the fuck he was no. talking about here? No, this was like a Chris Benoit, like, ra- Raven's Rest Reason
1: promo. It literally felt like that, because it felt like Pira was trying to cut a Raven promo here and just couldn't figure it out. They probably should have just had him be silent.
0: I don't think him talking helped him.
1: Well, the funny thing about Vampiro is, despite the fact that he's from Canada by way of Mexico, he sounds like he's trying to do a Raven impersonation by way of Conan. And it yes. just doesn't work.
0: Then we've got Billy Kidman and Booker T against Harlem Heat 2000. Stevie Ray and Flabby T.
1: How much longer does the the Booker T, the, does the, the Big T thing go on for?
0: I think this is, pretty much it i think he's kind of i think they pretty much i think they drop him once like russo and bischoff come back and which is funny because it was a I, it seemed like a russo idea because he debuted it sold out but, but
1: at this point it's becoming clear this isn't working he doesn't have it like you would have to imagine that like i would have thought it was a good idea to bring in ahmed johnson like only just a couple years ago like two years ago like he was in good enough shape and cool enough that people thought he could be part of the future of the WWF main event scene.
0: It's falling off fast. Yeah. Uh, That's not what you're getting here, man here. He does a dive over the railing and uh, he clears it, but just barely who let him do this. This is a nightmare. He was always like this though. He would just do the most dangerous things
1: constantly. I mean, that is a good point. Bless him for having the balls. Bless anybody who tried to catch him for having the balls to be like, yeah, I can catch that thing, that meteorite being hurled from space. Dude is like legit got to be almost 350 pounds,
0: 320 at least, I'd say. He's so thick. Yep. Uh, Stevie beats up Kidman. Kidman manages to tag in Booker. Booker gets cut off. Kidman gets the pin with a sunset flip off the top rope after Booker hits a Harlem side kick.
1: This is actually a pretty cool tag team move. The idea is that Kidman and Booker can't get on the same page, but like towards the end of the match, it's actually not bad. I didn't hate this match for being not a lot of amazing people in it. And that might just be just because Booker's cool as shit. Yeah. And- when he gets it, it just starts bookending everybody. That's good stuff.
0: Again, it was probably good. It was good for him that he switched to wearing trunks because he looks more like a star in the trunks than he did in the Harlem Heat gear. He looks like a
1: mega star. Yeah.
0: Next up, we've got a Falls Count Anywhere match between Vampiro and Fit Finlay. Both men have had their arms broken by Lex Luger. Interesting.
1: I don't know how that led to them fighting each other. I mean, I guess it just does. Um, this is clearly here because they're like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we had a match where people fought into like the crowd and up into the building like WWE does sometimes? Or Sullivan was like, hey, remember
0: when me and Benoit fought into the bathroom? Let's
1: do that again. Yep.
0: But yeah, they fight into the bathroom. They start to go into the ladies room and then it feels like someone directs them like, no, no other one. That was extremely
1: funny because the announcers are like, but that's the ladies' room. And then they immediately turn around like, oh, somebody must have told them that. Then they they open a door and they are suddenly in what I thought for certain was like the Vampire Club from Blade, which oh, I believe had come out the year before this. Yeah. What was going
0: on with the lighting in the, in the concourse here? It was like a rave. Literally. This is the concourse
1: of an arena, like, on the way out to the balcony, like, the smoking area. The American Airlines Center, where the Heat play. And it is lit red, like, red, red. Like, it literally looks like the club scene from Blade. And I thought for sure it was going to be like, oh, Vampiros lured him into the vampire's nest or something. This is where he has all the power. Wouldn't that be so funny if, like, everybody there just had, like, vampire fangs in? Like, oh, no, not Vampire Zone. Uh, Finley
0: tries to throw Vampiro off the balcony, but he doesn't succeed, unlike Baron Corbin and Rey Mysterio in that Money in the Bank match. Oh, God, I forgot all about that. He did throw him to his death. You're right. did. Rey died a couple times in the Thunderdome. Yep. Uh, Finlay backdrops Vampiro on the concrete, but Vampiro comes back and hits his Mishinoku driver finisher to get the pin honestly they do a good job with this as vampiro celebrates with the fans and the announcers really put it over like vampiro made his bones beating finley in a hardcore match this is not bad no. you know this show so far not a
1: just not the disaster i was expecting here's the thing if this show is the undercard on a show with like a decent main event we would have been like you know what actually good shit totally fine and Mean Gene
0: interviews the Mamalukes in Disco Inferno.
1: Hell yeah. Now the show begins.
0: Oh, for the tag titles, we've got the Mamalukes defending against the Harris Brothers. Now here's in the Axis the
1: Powers Explode match. The Axis Powers Explode. God damn it, Steve.
0: really an insult to have the Harris boys come out to the NWO theme but I guess that's the point is there still an NWO or are they just doing this for heat no it's just been it's just Jarrett and them at this point because Nash is gone and Hall is gone and Brad is gone it's just Jarrett but again that's the heat is like these pricks claiming to be the
1: NWO they're the end of it just these guys
0: all four men wrestling in slacks here. Again, That's just I've made WCW the joke. That's just 2000 Nobody dresses like a wrestler in this
1: promotion anymore. I've made the joke so many times. Like, it seems like there was a sale at Dockers and every single <laughs> motherfucker on this show was wearing the exact same pair of ironed black Dockers with creases. Every single person. The wall. The prince. Everyone. <laughs>
0: Knobs and Finlay wearing the exact same like mechanics
1: vest that they stole from like Bubba Ray's gym bag. I just don't how is everyone identical?
0: Mamelukes control the first couple minutes, Johnny the Bull gets caught in the heel corner, a very boring heel se- heat segment ensues, and then there's a hot tag to Vito. He hits a big Northern Lights suplex. And he goes to the top, but he misses a dive. Disco jumps in the ring. He hits one of the Harris boys with the tag title belt. It's no DQ, so that's allowed. But then the other Harris brother gets the belt to hit Vito. And the Harris boys follow up with their H-bomb finisher
1: and get the win. Wait. Their finisher is called the H-bomb? Yeah, that's an in-joke, I guess. (sighs) Oh. So so let me get this straight, Steve. So not only do these white supremacist Jeff Jarrett lackey motherfuckers, not only are they polluting this screen, polluting this season and ruining my life by being in so many episodes of our fucking show over the course of these years. (laughs) But now they have the temerity, the fucking gall to beat the Mama Luke's on this program. The Mama Luke's doing my beloved Mama Luke's. Johnny can't even eat his cheese sandwich. He's in so much grief. This never would have happened if Tony
0: Marinara was still managing. If that. Tony
1: Marinara were still here, he would have had a plan.
0: What did I don't know what happened to Tony Marinara actually. He just
1: vanished. I don't yeah. I think I think on screen he was killed, but I don't know. Oh,
0: that's believable. Yeah. He got whacked, you know.
1: Yeah, it happens.
0: How hard do you think they tried to get somebody from The Sopranos to cameo?
1: Thanks. I mean, if and this they gimmick had gone, gone on longer than, like, three months, like, they should have been able to get, they could have gotten one of them.
0: When was HBO, now HBO, WB, Discovery, blah, 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 whatever. Was it back then?
1: No, it definitely wasn't.
0: Yeah, yeah. too bad. No, no let, wasn't
1: it? Because Arliss showed up on Nitro one time. I don't think they had, like, a deal, though. I think he just did. Or am yeah. I wrong about that? Just,
0: well, I mean, now they're the same parent company, but I don't remember what the... Like. Well, I think that The
1: Sopranos been running at that point. Couple it only went on for a started, year. I think it started in 98. Like, the idea that... Like, you definitely, if you had gone to Starcade, you could have gone, like, somebody.
0: <laughs> you could have gotten, you know... Polly Walnuts, I'm not, I'm not saying you're going to get James Gandolfini, but like, no, you're not getting James. Polly Walnuts or sell. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He could have gotten somebody, the therapist to run down and interfere.
0: Uh, mean Gene interviews Finley and then Luger and flair. Yep. These were some very not notable backs. Like,
1: man, they were making Gene earn his paycheck though. Yeah, we we like usually they like to mix it up. Like they do like some in a commissioner's office and some walking into the arena, and then like one or two with Gene. Tonight it's all Gene promos. They put no thought into it.
0: Then we've got a Texas Bull Rope match <sighs> as Dusty Rhodes takes on Terry Funk. Hell yeah, this is the good stuff.
1: Apparently Dusty got to book one match
0: on this show.
1: I love the idea of like Sullivan and Nash being like, we only got 11 matches. We need it. We only got 10 matches. We need another one to fill time. I got no ideas. Do you have any ideas? No. Fuck it. Let's call Dusty. I bet you he's got an idea.
0: Got to book my son in a bull rope match. Him and Funk. baby, you got to put on
1: the bull rope with my son and Terry Funk. (laughs) So, of course, Dustin turned on Funk after Super Bowl. It lasted
0: two weeks. I mean, here's the thing. They're referencing the legendary Funk-Roads feud. I've never seen... Like, where did that even happen? Was that in the Camarillo like, territory in the 70s? Do, I don't think they ever feuded. I, <laughs> they must... This is like a thing of of lore, though, because the 93... Like Stud Stable feud with Terry Funk and Arn Anderson and Bunkhouse Buck against Dusty and Dustin was based on that feud too. But I don't know when it ha- like it's so old. I don't even know when it happened. It was like like old school territory days, pre-starcade.
1: I think and this is just like straining my wrestling memory. Maybe Florida the West Texas Rednecks feuded with the Funk Brothers in Florida. Yeah, I think that, that makes sense. That's in the seventies. That would have been like the early seventies. Yeah. Like, but, but we're that's been like Dusty really breaking
0: stre- in. We're really stretching here. Like, again, I'm watching this ten years old. I don't. I barely know who Dusty Rhodes is. Like, be, I basically barely know Dusty, Dusty Rhodes, Rhodes like The, fa- the fa- I, I knew Dustin because I knew Gold Dust.
1: I didn't know anything about the Natural though. Yeah, that's the thing. You wouldn't have known his run here before. And no. you might not have even really known that he was Dusty Rhodes' son. If you that's even knew who that was. Yeah, I mean, I knew, I knew Dusty
0: is like the weird fat color commentator from Saturday Night.
1: Right. And so now Gold like, dust I just need his-
0: everybody listening at home to understand you couldn't just go on Wikipedia back then and read about all of wrestling history.
1: Like, for you, as a 10-year-old... Gold dust has now come to WWF to defend the honor of his dad, the weird fat commentator from WCW yes. Saturday night to fight the old man commissioner. So you do any cha- he-
0: <laughs> to fight chainsaw Charlie. Cool. Great. Let's do it. It was like, why? Oh, t- chainsaw
1: Charlie's name is Terry Funk. Interesting. Yeah. Because you would think when he came in that this was his first run because until he feuds with Flair, they don't mention he was ever here before. Apparently, you win this one
0: by pin or submission, not by touching the corners. Then it's not a bull. Why is the bull rope yeah. even there? That's a dog collar match. Dog collar match would have been better.
1: I don't. I can't really express to you guys at home why dog collar matches are good and bull rope matches. Because they're bad violent.
0: When- Cause you're on a chain and you can do the like hook together
1: at the neck thing feels a lot more dangerous. Yeah. Like, and the fact that it has to be like pinfall or submission, like that makes it more brutal to me. Cause that means that like, we're going to be fucking chained together by the neck yeah. until one of us taps out. And, like, there's no way around it. And, like, the Piper Valentine dog collar
0: match of that first Starcade was unbelievable. That was a legacy you can build
1: on. I don't know that there's ever been a bad one. Punk has had two unbelievable ones yeah. in his career one when he was the rookie, and one when he was the vet. Yeah,
0: and D- Dusty and Luke Harbour, uh, that Brody Brody Lee had an awesome, or D- Cody and Brody <laughs> Lee had an awesome. One. Dusty Rhodes and one Brody Lee, God. Brody King, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, what happens here? Dustin beats on Funk. A man in a chicken suit runs in, and Funk knocks him out with the bow. Who was this? I don't know. I kept waiting for the reveal of who was in the chicken suit, and we never got it.
1: I That feels like such a Kevin Nash moment to me. Just be like, then send out uh, some like some dude in the kitchen, a chicken suit. Why? I don't know. We'll figure it out. It'll just be funny. I just assumed it was going to be like
0: Zabisco or somebody. That would have been funny.
1: They should have added Zabisco to Terry Funk's thing. He should have, like, recruited an army of old weird he dudes. He did! He
0: did! Remember, he did the old-age outlaws. They lasted, he, like, one show.
1: Yeah, but you should have put more weird dudes. It should have been, like, the NWO, but for old guys.
0: <laughs> There's no limit to the number of old guys you can bring in. There's a lot of them. Lot of, always a lot of old wrestlers looking for a payday. The O-W-O. <laughs> Dustin quits, but that doesn't matter. Although I don't know why it's not just a submission. Oh, well, first, Funk gets the advantage and he grabs the mic and he says he's changing the rules to an I quit match. And the (laughs) ref tells him he can't do that. So Funk knocks him out. This was actually very funny. Funk, like, thinking he's still the commissioner. The ref has to be like, Terry, you're not in charge anymore. You lost that commissioner.
1: It was months ago. But you have to, like, sign contracts and stuff. You can't just change the match midway. Dustin
0: hits a DDT on the cowbell and wins. And then he tries to beat up Funk after the match, but Funk fights him off. Okay. We're, we're getting to
1: the end here. A couple more matches. We're doing 50 50 booking with Dustin Rhodes yeah. and Terry Funk. Like, what? Why? Like, who's accomplishing anything here? Dustin looks awful here. Just so bad. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to be totally honest when I say it. Terry Funk looks better than Dustin yeah. Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes is aged in reverse. He looks younger today. Yeah, Dustin Rhodes is only, God, he would have been like, what, like 38 here? Like, he's not oh, old. Probably not even. Yeah, he was young as shit in WCW oh, oh, the he's 90s. like 30
0: here. What the fuck? Born 69, A- he's 31. Oh, shit, Dustin- me and Dustin have the same birthday. I didn't know that. Oh, look at so that. Except he's a lot older.
1: A lot older, yeah. <laughs> he's
0: quite a bit older. But yeah, Dustin was born in 1969, so he's not turned 31
1: yet here. This is what I'm saying. He should be like a top star for 10 more years. Yeah. And instead, he's a Washed joke for
0: 40 asshole. years.
1: Yeah. He, he's going to be meaningless until that run with his brother and his dad against 2013. the 2013! That's when he gets his, his run. His real run when he's... 44 years old. Like He's 30 here. He's
0: relatively young on this roster. He's probably one of the young. How many guys do you think they have under 30? That are not many weights. Probably who not mean, many. Yeah. Who mean anything?
1: Very few. Like if Dustin had his shit together at all, he's a guy who could be walking and be a main eventer. Event. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Got the size, got the working ability, got the charisma, but he's just a mess. Like
1: he's a mess. He is on all of the drugs at this point If he had come in Clean and been like I'm the last hope of WCW The last outlaw I was there there in the beginning My dad built this place And now I'm here to send it right once and for all That could be be a real I love the American
0: Nightmare Character I always have It's perfect so much heat This spoiled prick who had everything handed to him and all he's going to do is whine about it. Yep. About how his daddy didn't love him and, you know, it was it was his dad's fault he didn't become a big enough star. Like, so much heat for him just to sit around and bitch about the fact that even though he got everything handed to him on a silver platter, he didn't become the star he was supposed to. And it's everybody's fault but his.
1: Yep. He could have been what Jeff Jarrett ha- is in the role of.
0: Yeah, imagine you know I
1: mean? if Jeff, but yeah, like he's
0: 6'5 and can fucking work his ass off and yep. has a ton of charisma and is a
1: good talker. That's the dream, man. That is, but unfortunately that is not the Dustin Rhodes we have. Nope. Uh, mean Gene
0: interviews Sid. Anything to say about this? Nope. Nope. <laughs> lumberjack match lex luger versus sting lumberjacks include vampiro finley knobs jimmy hart doug dillinger and kurt hennig these are all dudes whose arms luger broke
1: this is very funny like i i like the idea that this that that's the premise of the lumberjacks but also if you just look at them separately for example doug dillinger's just doing his normal job like he's just being a security guard (laughs) With a cast. Yeah. Luger gets on the mic and
0: apologizes to all of them, which is very funny. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. No hard feelings. And then we bring out Luger's Lumberjacks, Hugh Morris, Big T, Stevie Ray, Cash, and the Harris brothers. And they all have casts on, too. And Mark Bannon goes, wow, they all volunteered to get their arms broken for this <laughs> match.
1: That was genuinely a funny
0: Mark Madden line. I'm going to give it up to him for I, that one. I can't hate Mark Madden on these shows.
1: I actually think he's good. For this show, mostly he has not been. Though in the previous show and in the next one, he is much better. <laughs> Sting dominates and then Tank Abbott comes down the aisle
0: and he knocks out Doug Dillon. Journey walks away. Yep. <laughs> this is just a show of Easter eggs at this point.
1: It's it's gotta be Russo because only Russo gives a shit about any of this.
0: It could be Kevin Nash too, because Nash liked to do these like little funny things.
1: But literally, it's it's specifically Easter eggs for like wrestling perverts yes. like us who would be like on the message boards being like, Sting knew about the Sting finally got his revenge for Doug Dillinger. Ha ha ha. That is 0.01 of their audience. The rest of them are just sitting around like, what the fuck does that mean? What was I thinking when I spent my money to order this show? First of all, who is Doug Dillinger? Why did Sting assault a random guy in a security outfit and then leave?
0: <laughs> what? What's going on? Um, Flair comes down and he beats up Vampiero. I just sure. wrote Flair, so I honestly can't remember if this was David or Rack. Uh, it's Rick.
1: Okay. That makes more sense, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Does it? Well, David's at the hospital with Crowbar, who is a dead person. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes.
0: Stig makes a comeback. Elizabeth hits him with a bat. Vampiro cuts her off, and Jimmy Hart drags her to the back. He's holding Hogan's weight belt like he's going to whip her, but he doesn't.
1: Do you think like he was like planning on doing it, and then Elizabeth was like, "If you fucking touch me with you'd that belt, touch I, with I that swear to that belt, I'm God.
0: Randy on you. <laughs> I mean, it would have gotten a ridiculous pop if he had whipped her a few times with the belt on her way back. True, true. <laughs> would have been a great pop. Nothing gets over in wrestling like a good spanking spot. Yep. Uh. What happens? Vampiro hands Sting the bat and Sting knocks Luger out to get the pin. And then, you know, the brothers in paint embrace.
1: Again, it could have been something. Yeah, they could they pulled, have they they pull the plug on
0: this like a week after this and have them feud with each other
1: instead. And then one of them sets the other on fire and then they yeah. both just kind of quit. They <laughs> fight in a graveyard. Sure. Some other stuff happens.
0: Sting gets, Sting gets really depressed.
1: Yeah, he sure does.
0: (laughs) Jeff Jarrett starts questioning his lack of passion and brings in a bunch of fake stings to make fun of him.
1: That's actually a pretty funny match.
0: That's awesome. I love that. Uh, Mean Gene interviews Tank. He doesn't give a shit about old man Doug Dillinger. Uh, They roll the package for Jarrett versus Sid. Uh, We get a shot of the black limo door opening, but the camera cuts away before we see who's in it. And then we see Jeff Jarrett coming to the ring. Mike Graham tells Sid there's a format change, and now Sid's match is up. The announcers are confused because it was supposed to be
1: Flair versus Hogan. Now, earlier in the show, Mike Tenay had a great line where I don't even remember what's happening. Somebody's music starts playing, and somebody's like, well, that's not in my format. And Mike Tenay's just like, yeah, but it never is. <laughs> The just lack of
0: giving a shit from the announcers at this point is so funny. They're so done with all this. They've been done so dirty. I mean, from the beginning of this season, when they had to spend the first 10 minutes of Sold Out, explaining what the fuck was going on and what the matches we were going to see were going to be, they've just had it. Yep. Um, Okay. We got the title match, Sid defending against Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett comes out first and gets on the mic. He says, if he wins, he'll have his girls flash the crowd. I forgot to mention he's got some hooches with him.
1: He sure does.
0: Um, they fight out to the floor and in, into the stands Shivani says he didn't hear anything about this being no DQ or no counter. It seems so obvious this is building to Russo or Bischoff returning to do a screw job, and it doesn't happen. Like, we got somebody in a limo. There's these format changes. Somebody's changing the rules at the last minute. Feels like a trap is being set here,
1: but no. And, like, wouldn't that have made total sense for this? Because they also... Jeff Jarrett. And what's about to happen, like, at the end of the Jeff Jarrett match into the Hogan match, seems like, all right, someone's hatched a master plan to yeah. take out Hogan. And here we are hatching it, and we're going to do it. And then it's going to be, it could be either Russo or Bischoff. Somebody comes out of the limo, and suddenly we're in a new era. Ha, 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 ha.
0: Nope. Nope. <laughs> The Harris brothers attack Sid and throw him back in the ring. Jarrett gets Sid in a sleeper. The arm drops twice, but not the third time. Sid makes a comeback. One of the Harris brothers holds the title belt, but Sid runs Jarrett into it. Jarrett kicks out at two. Jarrett blocks a choke slam and knocks out the ref. Jarrett smashes the guitar over Sid's head. At this point, the NWO's crooked referee, Slick Johnson, comes down, but Hogan shows up and cuts him off.
1: This is another thing that I hate about this Jeff Jarrett character. If your whole thing was you have to find a way to get your referees bumped, but like you like artistically figured out ways to get the other guy to consistently bump them or to like secretly do it so that the ref wouldn't know. He's literally just hitting refs in the face. When they know that he's the one doing it with no repercussions, this is what drives me insane. He's the chosen one. He can get away with anything. Just find some kind of artful way to do it. Because he literally just like, uh, he trips the ref and he's like, oh, hey. uh," And then he just like smashes his head into the turnbuckle and is like, cool, that's done. On to the next thing. Um,. Hogan
0: beats up Jarrett, hits him with a leg drop, and he throws Sid on top of Jarrett, and Sid gets the pin.
1: Bullshit. Also felt, it felt offensive that yes. Sid needed help. Yeah. That, that, like, Sid couldn't possibly have done this without Hogan's intervention. Beat Jeff fucking Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett. I mean,
0: do they have many alternatives? Uh, in terms of alternatives to Jeff Jarrett in the main event... I don't what have
1: do is the thing. I don't hate the idea of this match, but this match should be smart person. Jeff Jarrett keeps sending out yeah. new things against Sid to even the score. The Harris brothers attack him. Sid eventually takes them out. Then in comes the, the secret referee. Oh no. Mark slick Jackson drags the other ref out. And then he gets himself in and tries to fast count, but he can't quite get him. You can do this match where it works but you still put over that Sid is awesome and a killer, but they just don't.
0: (laughs) Uh, Scott Steiner then appears and smashes another
1: guitar on Hogan's back. At which point they reveal that he was the the secret that Jeff Jarrett had, which is a terrible secret because he didn't come out to help him win the belt. Like where
0: were you buddy? A little late, and took him a long time to get to the ring, apparently. Yeah, so he beats the shit out of Hogan. <laughs> uh, Steiner and the Harris boys beat him up. Sid recovers, and he beats up the Harris boys. And then something weird happens. It cuts to black, and when we come back, flares in the ring with the strap and the bell rings, and the main event just starts this is bizarre it's horrible i hated that there was no introductions and build up for the main event
1: yeah what should have, i i know that like i am I'm of two minds i would have liked to have had the introductions and the, the build up but i also just would have loved if flair's music hit and he was like the trap has been set motherfucker it's time yeah. hogan let's go <laughs> All right, we got the strap match. Flair versus
0: Hogan. You win by touching all four corners in succession. They established that up front.
1: Sure. The worst rules in existence.
0: Hogan quickly turns the tide and beats up Flair.
1: I love these... He won't fucking
0: sell. He's just invincible. Nobody can
1: get any heat on him. That's the thing. Like, if most of this was... I love the idea... Of Flair trying to drag Hogan around, because Hogan outweighs him by like 100 pounds. Yeah. He's like a foot taller and 100 pounds heavier. I don't think he could deadlift an injured Hogan around to touch four corners. Nope. Would be really tough.
0: Yep. Hogan beats on Flair for an unreasonably long
1: time in Flair Blades. What is the point of this match, Steve? Like, if you had, if you were outlining it, what would be the purpose of what we're doing here?
0: it's just put the two guys who have always drawn on top and hope they can draw again. But it turns out there's nothing left in the well. They've
1: gone to the well one too many times. Do you think that it is in Hulk Hogan's contract that he has to be in the main event of uncensored? I have heard something about how somebody did
0: make some claims about how Hogan's contract said he had to be in the main event a certain number of times.
1: It would be interesting if they just decided ahead of time, like, all right, Uncensored every year is going to be one of those times. So we could just pencil that in right now.
0: I mean, usually his matches would be the main event. I mean, he's Hulk Hogan. It makes sense. Uh, That is absolutely true. Yes. But in this case, here uh, should this should I mean, should Hogan uh, should Hogan and should this have gone on. Sid and Jared have gone on last. Sid and Jared is for the title.
1: But neither one of these matches should have happened at all. <laughs> you know what? I would have been more interested in Hogan, Jarrett, and Sid and Flair. If I'm being totally honest. Like, if you just swap the two. Sid
0: Flair just said This is like the amount Flair would, like, beg off from. Like, Flair would literally just scream in fear of Sid like he did the big show that one
1: time. The video you could do with Ric Flair being like, I brought him into the Four Horsemen back in the 80s, and I've been afraid of what happened to Big Cross Pass ever since. Yeah, I was
0: really hoping I'd never have to wrestle him. That's why I made him my lackey and, you know, worked out for a long time. But uh, I guess time's run out now.
1: Yeah. I I went to WWE to escape him, and then he came to WWE, and I fucking bailed. Oh,
0: fuck me. And then, yeah, I laughed. (laughs) He did, too. And he came back here, and I did, too. But... I don't know. Fortunately, he almost killed Arn, so they had to fire him, and uh, now he's somehow back. Didn't see that coming.
1: Yeah, Arn cutting a promo like I actually had no problem with the scissors thing, but Flair was like, "Get him out of here! Get him out of here! We I don't want to face him. We got to get him out of here." They go
0: down to the floor where Hogan lets Jimmy Hart whip Flair. <laughs> yeah, pop. <Popeye. laughs> Finally, as Hogan is beating on Flair, Luger runs out and hits Hogan with a chair. Sure. This match is embarrassing for Ric Flair. The extent to which, it's funny him and Hogan, like, it seems like he was always cool with Hogan.
1: Hogan made him look like such a dickhead in their matches. Like, Flair almost, and I know that that's Flair's thing, is that he makes the other guy look strong. And Hogan's thing is that he takes everything he can get from the other guy. Totally get that. But, like, can you remember one offensive maneuver Ric Flair has ever <laughs> performed on Hulk Hogan? I can't. But, like, this one's especially egregious because, like, Hulk Hogan was already hurt. He was he was knocked out when this match
0: started. And within a minute, he was up and beating on Flair.
1: And there's no begging off. There's no Flair being smart and trying to play the angles he, Hogan whoops his ass so bad that he takes like a three-minute break to let his manager whoop his ass, too, and then he goes back to beating ass.
0: So they fight around ringside for a while, which is
1: pointless because you can't win the match out there. Yep. Then they so, finally... Okay, hold on, hold on. Do you have to touch the turnbuckle or just the ring post? I believe you have to touch the turnbuckle. Because you could like... Reach into the ring and grab it, right? I don't know. (laughs) They
0: finally get in the ring. Jimmy Hart pulls Flair off Hogan and gets punched for it. Sure. Flair tries to pin Hogan, which the announcers point out you can't win the match this way. (laughs) Sure. Of course, by trying to pin Hogan, he gets Hogan to Hulk up. This
1: is the most hilarious shit in the world, because it's like they couldn't figure out a way to get Hulk to Hulk yeah. up without trying to pin him first. Couldn't he have just hulked up out of the figure four? Of course he could have. He should have just stood right up out of it and said, this isn't even hurt. There are no Hulkamaniacs here. Yeah,
0: bye
1: Yeah, bu-bye.
0: Yappa pie strap number one. Yappa pie strap number
1: two. I wish he had been counting them off like Brock Lesnar in that match with Cena. And he had just been like, Yappa Pie number one. Yappa pie number two. Maybe the crowd would have chanted along, but probably not because they'd already started to leave. If you look into the crowd, you can see people streaming Dude, out.
0: I would be getting the fun. Once this match cleared about five minutes, this match was 15
1: minutes. There's also no stakes. It doesn't oh. matter who wins this match.
0: Last year when they wrestled, it was a barbed wire steel cage first blood match where Flair had to retire if he lost, and got to be WCW president for life if he won, and it was for the title.
1: This time it's
0: just a match. Just two old with, just two old men fight in.
1: With a strap. <laughs>
0: like it just it just cements
1: WSW feeling like the senior circuit like there is no amount of credibility that this match has that would be ruined if this was a strap on instead of a, a leather oh God. strap And like, that tells you everything you need to know about this match <laughs> where were I'm gonna we give, gonna give him the strap brother <laughs>
0: Hogan hulks up, he hits the big boot, he starts dragging Flair around the ring and touching the corners. He gets to three and then Luger runs in again. Hogan hits the big boot on Luger, the leg drop on Flair, and then he pins Flair. Yep. And after then he gets up and he touches the fourth corner. Like again, legit, I think they forgot what
1: the rules were supposed to be. I don't think that he had ever been in a strap match before. He
0: wrestled Vader in the White Castle of Fear strap match. You know what? Yep, we established that. He won that one, I think, by dragging Flair around the ring instead of Vader.
1: Jesus Christ. It's uncensored. This is a burial so deep that Ric Flair should have vanished from television and never come back.
0: Yeah. Is this worse than that cage match from Halloween Havoc we did?
1: I think it is. I think you could have honestly released Ric Flair here, and should it just have would just have been fired like, him. Just let him go. Like there's, you are of no more value to this company.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know what the right thing to do with Flair is, but he should not have been a regular. Like he, at this point, he should be kind of in the role he was in the WWF, where he was managing Triple H and sometimes wrestled in tag matches. Like he should not just be a regular wrestler at this point.
1: I think that you make him the president. They, did, they did that have, last year. But you don't have him on TV all the time. It's that like Vince also in the 2000s. Already happened. I know. But that was the best use of him <laughs> we had.
0: <laughs> him as president had a lot of promise. I mean, like a lot of stuff they did in 99 had promise, and it just kind of fizzled. I don't know that. Yeah much of any of this stuff had any promise. Like this, yeah. Insanely, this is going to close the book on this era of WCW, if you want to call it that. You know, we're going to come back with Spring Stampede next month, and literally everything is going to have changed. It's basically a new company.
1: You're absolutely right. But before we get away from this main event, it would behoove me to tell you that you have triggered Stump Steve by us talking about the Yappapai Indian Strap Match. Now, I'm not going to ask you about other Yappapai Indian Strap Matches. Have there been other
0: Yappapai Indian Strap Matches? I
1: wish, and I looked. I want you to know that. But no, there have not been other Yappapai Indian Strap Matches. And also, I realize that I've been a little hard on you in the past couple weeks. There have been some stiff ones in there. So this (sighs) is going to be a relatively easy one. Also, because we've already given three of the answers over the course of this podcast. So, today's trivia question for you, Steve is knowing that Hulk Hogan has been in the main event of all six uncensored pay-per-views yeah. and that they have all had ridiculous gimmick matches. I need you to tell me what all six of those gimmick matches are. Okay. Not who was in them, just the gimmick matches. Not gimmicks. who was in them, just, just the gimmick matches. Because okay. they had a cumulative like 55 people across those matches.
0: It would really be stumpy to make me name <laughs> who was in the Doomsday Cage match. <laughs>
1: The ultimate solution. The was ultimate in the solution,
0: Yeah. <laughs> Somehow someone more Nazi-ish than the Harris brothers or the Wall. I don't yep. know. I, I'm not. A, I, I'm not going to accuse the Wall of being a Nazi.
1: He just seemed vaguely Nazi-ish. Yeah. If the Wall and the Harris brothers became a stable, it would surprise absolutely no one.
0: <laughs> okay. Hogan. He wrestled Vader in a strap match at the first Uncensored.
1: That's correct.
0: In, in Uncensored 96, it was him and Savage against the Horsemen and the Dungeon of Doom in the Doomsday Cage, the triple-decker cage. Indeed. Uh, Uncensored 97 was a triangle battle royal with the WCW team, the NWO team, and the Piper team.
1: now No. I am going to be pedantic about this. I need you to tell me the specific uh, rules of rules. that match. Uh, three
0: guys, no, two guys started, and a new man came in every two minutes. And people could be eliminated by pinfall submission or being thrown over the top rope,
1: is my memory. We were looking for elimination rules, so yes, that's okay. Rule.
0: Yeah, like <laughs> it was really, it was really bizarre. It was staggered. And Rick Steiner was supposed to be in there, but he was hurt. And Piper's team changed because it was supposed to be Earthquake and some kickboxer. It was bizarre that segment. Yep. Uncensored '98 was Hogan versus Savage in a cage match. That's correct. That's, didn't, that's the one. Where, did, oh yeah, no finish to that match.
1: Just yeah, that's the one where Savage jumped off the top of the cage and fucked himself up.
0: Then last year, Uncensored 99 was the barbed wire first blood retirement match between Flair. And obviously, this one was another strap match. Yappa Pie. The Yappa Pie strap match. That is correct. I have
1: failed to stump Steve. Hooray! (sighs) That was easier. Next week, it's going to be hard as shit.
0: Okay, I mean this show wasn't—it wasn't good, but it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. Like you hear uncensored 2000, and you would think it was the worst pay-per-view of all time, but I think
1: it was better than SuperBrawl. I want to be clear. Coming into this season, I was expecting trash, and I got to be honest. Like it, it might just be because of what I said at the beginning of all of this, where I said. I like this kind of trash, because when it's bad, it's bad. And when it's good, it's okay. So, like, I can live with that. I don't like it when things are boring, and the show's not boring. It is insane from wall to wall. This one was more boring than the past two have been, because it's obvious that they've just kind of hit the pause button on everything. But... Next but the week dam,
0: the dam is <laughs> going to break next week. We're going to do the show that killed Q's reviews spring stampede
1: 2000. Oh, boys and girls. When Can I tell you, you,
0: imagine
1: the places we're going to go just when I explain to you why this thing killed Q's reviews and what went into that day, de- that week that I worked on that one particular thing, it's just going to be something else. But I'm also going to give you guys a little spoiler. The show may actually be good.
0: I think it's underrated. I, and it's not like it's good, but like it, it's not that bad of a show actually. It's this it's it's silly and it's chaotic and it's overdone, but as far as just like a jolt of energy that the company desperately needed, I understand it.
1: We're going to have nice things to say.
0: Wow. And, yeah, we will wrap up The Death of WCW Part 1 next week with sort of a dead cat bounce, I'd say. It's the first time it felt like they had even a little bit of momentum in months. Absolutely. So, yeah, we'll have all that more next time on The Lawcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time.